That's the sound of the man working on a chain gang. That's the sound of the man. All right, so my, my guest this uh, afternoon is uh, Eric Dudek, and uh, Eric is a guy who I met through coaching, and I actually uh, started my first, the first real estate company with your mom. So, uh, uh, I think I heard about you and your kids and stuff like that and like, you know, everything because they wrestled before I actually met you, which was when you started with the, the club there and, uh, with the little guys. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, you're one of the better. Uh, Jordan Witt's pretty good with them. Uh, my guys started as little guys with Jordan, and uh, but uh, pretty good with the little tiny guys. I haven't really seen it with the older kids, I don't know, but uh, the little guys... Uh, they had a, like uh, they were more organized looking than, than I'd seen them at the romper room sort of setups when you know, at practice. But. Well, that's where it's always been funny because uh, that's where uh, Coach Mark Rudiger was walking by the one day and popped his head in when he saw that I switched clubs and I was pra- running a practice in uh, the Lincoln Way West wrestling room. Sure. And um, how I drill is with the one word commands and stuff like that, almost yeah. like the old karate movies and that kind of stuff and yeah right after practice that's uh mark rudiger walks up to me oh sensei dudek so now i got brian glenn saying it and everyone else so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. now it's become a thing but it, it's really i i enjoy coaching of any sport whatever it is that i coach sure. eight eight nine and ten year olds they, they seem to be the ones that can you can get control of and they seem to be the ones that are eager to learn, and they have a lot to learn because they're finally growing into their bodies. Yeah, and 13, 14-year-olds do get some attitude every once in a while when you're, when you're with them. But that for me, that's my favorite too, but it's really out of uh, more necessity. Uh, being the dude in the wheelchair, the group one kids, when they're you know four to seven, it's very difficult for them to take strictly verbal commands from me. Because I say, hey, put your hand on his elbow, and they put his hand on his forehead, or, you know, what they just don't, nothing is, you know, they don't seem to listen that way. But when I get into that second group, I find it super rewarding because I still got guys that come in raw. They don't have anything yet. They don't know the referee's position. They don't know anything. So I can definitely be teaching them something. And then... Uh, also, you know, it's like there's not that much pressure as far as needed goes. Like, I don't have to win anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, if the group two kids don't win anything, they're not supposed to win anything anyway, so it's fine. You're here to learn the basics, and, you know, it's, for me, it's fun. So, uh, you know, it, it like, it, I find it weird, too, because, like, I look at the group three, which is the varsity, air quotes, varsity, because it's, you know, little guys, yeah. and it's... I'm watching high school wrestling all the time now, and you know, I watch a lot of college wrestling. Boy, that I'll tell you what, it, no knock on the coaches. I know it's just fine. I know it's just how it goes. That stuff looks terrible compared to high school wrestling. High school, like you know, like varsity. And I mean, I think there's probably a difference if I went and watched. I know there is because sometimes we're at the same place. The freshman squad in high school versus the varsity. It's oh, a different huge! Wrestling. Yeah, huge difference, yeah. and. It's it's a lot of even with some of the younger ones, you've got the ones that wrestle twelve months a year, mm-hmm. and, and just seeing them compared to the kids who just come in during the season, right? It, it's it's night and day. Sure, 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 sure. Like I tell a lot of kids, I mean the difference between varsity 
and JV or the difference between um, being one of the elite kids and being an average kid. What do you do after practice? Do you just go home and That's are you sad. only there at practice or are you the one who yeah. does push-ups, does little sure. things, practices stand-ups, practices all the basic skills? Yeah, and honestly, I care about that for the guys who care about winning. That's if they're just there yep. for to get conditioned for football, then I guess they boot you. But it is what you do outside of practice that makes the difference in the elite kids, you know, what I mean? yep. the top kids. But, you know, there's some guys that, like, you know, I know we ran the hell out of them. We beat them up pretty good. And the kid is, like, consistently 40 pounds overweight. And I'm like, with the level of activity you're doing, you must eat a gallon of ice cream every time you go home. Yeah. Because it's a lot of calories you're burning here, and you're still a big fat kid. Uh, but anyways, we our, our talk, the, the planned conversation was to be about... Uh, to be about uh, careers outside of college. And I, I came up with this, I, the idea to have a conversation about this, and I see that like on social media, you post a bunch of things, like if a uh, union's hiring or something like that all the time. I think that's you, right? Yes. That's not, okay. Because uh, I know Amy does a really good job yeah. with your like uh, networking it, for your business stuff. But uh, so, um, and ironically, during the podcast, I get a lot of people that, have it almost seems like sometimes the more interesting job is the job without the and these are oddball jobs they're not jobs like you know grocery clerk and stuff like that they're jobs like you know the the hair stylist uh coloring lady the the um makeup artist lady and stuff like that like those are jobs that like and I think a couple of them had college educations, but they not in the field that they're in, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, like I have uh, coming up, I've got a uh, woman who runs a uh, dog training obedience school and stuff like that. Like I'll ask her, but I, I doubt she's got a college degree in dog training obedience and stuff like that. Um, so it turns out that a lot of these people, like I got a buddy of mine who's a, a professional musky fisherman. Uh, he was actually, and he's now he's a carpenter, but he's got a degree in fishery biology so i'm sure it helps him in the musky fishing but it, that's not what it, the fishery fishery biology is a you know the, the a fishery not fish itself i'm sure sure studying fish but you're studying how to make a lake work for itself sort of a thing like you would work for the dnr you would work for a hatchery you would breed fish you would do that sort of thing where, you know, he was a muskie guide for the longest time. And one that, like, a lot of people in the muskie fishing, you know, uh, game knew who he was, sort of a thing. So, you know, it seems like a lot of interesting jobs came out of that. And for myself, I came out of high school. I got my first construction job at, you know, just before I was 18 years old. And I never looked back. Like, it was for sure. Like, I probably six months into this and i'm like this is exactly this has got me written all over like i get to be physical all day you know i'm picking up stuff i you know like I, i'm out in the sun like this is everything for me my hobbies were hunting and fishing those are outside too i don't like to be inside so like it, you know it was the deal um and then by 23 i owned my own company and then you know i was off to the races for them but and, and no college degree so you know, for me, that was the right path. Now, I don't, I always see these things where it becomes like a, almost an argument. Like everything becomes an argument on social media, but it's like, I don't understand why it's got to be an argument. 
you should be able to look at maybe your your child and say, you know, you're probably not going to, you didn't do well in high school. You're probably not going to do well in college sort of a thing. So why not go to a trade school? Why not try and, some of it's connections. I mean, I know more people that got steel worker and pipe fitter jobs because they knew somebody, not because they were inclined to do that kind of work. Well, that's that's a lot of things that you look at. And I try to address it with a lot of different high school kids that I work with and everything else um, through sports and everything. Is college a good investment for you? And that's everything in life is about what is it going to be a good investment? When I hear and see on social media, kids who are $180,000 in debt in college oh, yeah, loans. Easily. Easily. But what's funny is because the college loans are government ran, they can get loans for 180000 but the same kid with no career, no education, no no background, nothing going on, can't get a loan for an $80,000 house. Mm-hmm. But you can get that no, for, for an education for a to, piece of paper. It's going to destroy the economy because all these people are coming out of college that are unable to buy a home, and you're unable to buy a home for the next 10 years because you're so far in, in college debt. So you're living in your parents' basement. Now, we're in a consumer-based economy, so when somebody comes out of college, they get a job, and they buy a house, they buy a car, that helps the economy because the guy's selling the mm-hmm. house and the car make money, and then he can send his kids to college, or he can you know, he can go buy something too. So, right. So, I mean, okay, so for me, I came out of high school, started doing construction, went down, I was probably 19, went down to visit a buddy at ISU, and he's like, Bill, Bill, you got to, dude, you got to come to, got to come to college, man. And I go, why? And he goes, well, I, you know, it's wonderful, booze and having fun and all this other stuff. But he goes, I'm a, a B student. And I, this guy was never a B student in school. Like, he was barely making it in school, in high school. And we went to Lincoln Way, which was, it's a tough school as far as, like, that go. I, I see, I can see you, they go to, like, a school like Lincoln Way. They go to college and, like, oh, my God, this is so easy. Where I see people that go to a crappier high school, maybe, like, a Piatone or something like that. Then they go to college and they bomb out because it's, like, this is way too hard. So, but I, I told him, I go, listen, I'm already making, you know, $1,100 a week. I'm not going to college now. You know, I'm two years into construction. I'm fine. Uh, so for me, like, there was a no-brainer. There was no chance I was going back the other way. And then, like, it reaffirmed me in my decision when I started running into guys that were 26, 27. They had college degrees but they were carpenters or church. They've been carpenters for two years now or starting to be carpenters. And I'm like, holy shit. Six years ago, I was where you're at and you're just here now because you tried for a year and a half to get your job in your field and it didn't happen. So, you know, I, I, I my, you know, like I, I can't say I practice what I preach because my sons, they're going to college. My well, daughter's like halfway through college. So, and, and that's what I mean by it's a bit. It, a lot of parents don't, sit down with the child and assess is this a good investment or a bad investment what are you that's why i'm big on a lot of the sports to help the kids um it, without scholarships whether it's grades sports whatever it's harder to afford college to make it a good investment the yeah, less you pay the sports things a bad it, it is but it, the less I mean, you pay you got to be like really good to be getting but you can get partial rights if your grades are high oh, yeah, enough I'm not, I'm that's what i'm saying right. but that, you need you need to be pretty damn good to get 
anything. Like D3 doesn't give you any money for sports to begin with. No, but so, NAIA, and that's a problem, is too many people are looking at Division One, Division Two, Division Three. Yeah. And NAIA gets overlooked so quickly. And actually, they almost throw out quarter rides all over the place for sports. Yeah, and, but and, the problem with NAIA is the, the – because we looked into it. We were at a tournament in Michigan, and this guy came up, and he was 19. He was you know heading off to college. The, the, he's in college this year. And he was going to go to college to – for like it was like basic law or so it wasn't like he was it wasn't taking law like he was going to be a lawyer mm-hmm. he was taking law like he was going to be a cop sort of thing or an fbi agent or something like that so and he's like hey you know was that your son i wrestled and he's like yeah and this kid was my son was 17 he was 19 he beat garrett but he's like hey that was the toughest guy i've wrestled all weekend he goes where is he going to college and i said i don't know and he said you should really look into these naia schools because I have a $30,000 tuition that they're going to pay $28,000 of it. And I, my ears perked up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I better find out. I mean, I, should, I got two grand to give them. You can go, go to college, no problem. Mm-hmm. So I looked up the uh, NAI schools. The curriculum they offer, you can't find an engineering program. I couldn't find one that was within, you know, three hours of here. So, like. Well, I think it depends on what degree you're really looking at. That's right. And, and, and that's where. I mean, if you're looking for a doctorate, you're looking for an engineering, you're looking for these higher education classes or professions. Yes, in NAIA, you are going to pay a little bit more. But by the time everything's said and done, you're talking about jobs that once you really get into the field, you're quickly going to be making close to six figures. Sure, sure. But when you're talking about, I really don't know what I want to do with my life, or I kind of want to go into business. Well, what do you want to do in business? Well, I don't know. Well, then why are you going to go a business degree from, you know, a Yale business degree or one from a regular NAI like a St. Francis? Mm-hmm. Honestly, most companies don't even care what your degree's in anymore. Most companies are actually looking, do you have a bachelor? Do you have a master's? And a lot of times, like Amy was in recruiting, and I've talked to different people in recruiter recruiters for different companies. A lot of times they're not even worried about what your degree's in. Oh, you just had, yeah, had to that, be fulfilled. But I knew that like people put too much emphasis on like what school they go to. Like yes. you know, did I go to Northwestern? Did I go to Harvard or Princeton? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, a friend of mine, she's got her master's from Northwestern, and she's like, you know, no place that I ever got a job at has ever asked, like, ever seemed to care where yes. I got the job for, or where I got the education from. And she was like, you know, dead set that she was going to go to a Northwestern, pay through the nose for it because it was an Ivy League school. Um, so, okay. Well, so, let, let me go back and let me give you a little background on, on myself. Yeah. Um, I went and I graduated from Lincoln Way. Um, I graduated by the skin of my teeth. Okay. Um, my grades dropped my senior year. Um and ba- I had scholarship offers. My grades dropped below what the minimum requirement was. Sure, sure. So I actually lost them. I ended up going to a junior college. And it was funny because my sophomore year, and I was still passing classes with C's and D's, not, not really doing anything. Right. Um, my sophomore year, the psychology department was offering uh, $10 if you came in to test for, it was like a four-hour test for dyslexia. I went in for beer money. 
Yeah, very You know, sure, and sure. it's a, a bunch of us did. And I end up finding out my biggest problem I've had all my life, why I was a CMD student my whole life, I, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. Sure. And I don't see backwards, but my there's different forms of dyslexia. And my problem was um, multitasking, asking things that are outside my spectrum. Um, if I'm asked a question, if I read a book and I was asked a question about it, if it wasn't the question wasn't worded how it is in a book, sometimes my brain will have trouble transferring yeah, it over. Sure, sure, sure. So I ended up dropping out of college because the problem was to retrain my brain and um, continue with college level classes. It, it was too much. Something had to give. Yeah. And to get it to hope that maybe it takes me seven years to finally just get a bachelorette because mm-hmm. I'm going to keep failing classes and hope I can pass with C's and D's. Sure. It, it wasn't a good adventure and it wasn't, it, it wasn't a good um, investment for me. No. So I ended up uh, walking away from that. I did know someone speaking of Dominic's. I ended up getting into Dominic's warehouse okay. up in North Lake. And um, my ex-wife's grandfather was a big wig up there. So back then you had to know someone. And I walked in there. I'm 19, 20 years old. And um, my first year I made 54000 I'm like, well, I going back to college ain't worth it. No. Hey, no everyone I knew that was my age, I mean, no one was making no, you're even going close in to debt me. Right yeah. there and right and then the other, you're making money. No, I get it. I, I do. And I mean there's definitely like I definitely see people that are pipe fitters and welders and all this other stuff. There's a lot of really terrific trades jobs out there. And for the only problem that I have with the construction stuff is it generally will, from what I've seen firsthand, it will make you an old man pretty fast. The weather beats you down. The there's just the the sheer work. Now, I, when I was a young guy, I was in my mid twenties. I would be going up to a flying in Canada, and you know, if I was gonna go out there and swing an axe to chop up some firewood and stuff like that, for me it was no problem. All the guys that I went to Canada with were guys that worked at Xerox. They worked on a desk, pushing a pencil. I was seriously like, and it was like startling to me that like, I'm like, I don't know, why don't you lift weights or something? The physical shape these guys were in was really awful. I mean, they couldn't pick anything up. I, I, we, I, we used to go, so you'd be in the boat, you'd drive to the edge of the one lake, and there'd be a path to another lake, a portage. You take the motor off the boat that you, you brought in, and I took the seat cushion, throw it on my shoulder, throw the motor up there, and then I got the five-gallon gas tank in the other hand. So, I mean, it, it, I got 40 pounds here and probably about 80 pounds here, and I got a backpack on with all my gear, and then the guy with me, he's not carrying anything, so he carries my rods and stuff, and we go to the next thing. The one guy was like, well, let me, you know, next one I'll carry it and stuff like that. And I got, all right, you sure? So I gave it to him. We got about like 30, 40 feet, and he had to stop and like readjust it. We got about another 20 feet, and he had to stop. He's like, I got to rest for a second. I'm like, hey, man, I really don't mind carrying it if we could just get to the, I got to get in this other boat and start fishing. You know, like I'm, I, I need to get going. So there was a definitely health aspect to working a construction job that was like, you know, I can pick shit up and I can do stuff. But guys do so much stuff wrong there too. You get a lot of guys with bad backs. You get a lot of guys that are just out of shape. Um, the diet for construction, 
Most time it's fast food. Julie, not so great. Um, a lot so, of guys don't take lunch breaks, especially small businesses. Yeah, right, and right, 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 right. Yeah, you through. got a sandwich in your hand and a taping knife in yeah. the other hand. You keep going. Well, so, I mean, you know, like some of it's not the best. And then some of it's also you can make a, a really fantastic living. And I did when I was when I was contracting. But you can also be in an area or be working for a boss that doesn't want to pay shit and there's just not a lot of work around. So, and, and then the other problem a lot of times too, which a lot of jobs are tied to, is the economy. So uh, the building trades for sure, if the economy takes a dip and the company you work for is not diversified where, you know, we tried to stay, we did 30 roofs the, the last year before I broke my neck um, in that year. We also did siding jobs, room additions. We built a couple homes. I tried to keep it like mixed up. And part of the reason I mixed it up was I figured if the economy took a shit and there was no more building going on, well, then I could, there's always going to be roofs that got to be done. So I try to be diversified like that. And then I also did it for my guys. You know what? If you do seven or eight roofs in a row, oh, it's so nice to go do a framing job. You're not on your knees anymore. You're standing up. Like, it's cleaner. You're not in the beaten sun. So, and it was, it was. It, I, I felt it was good. I'll tell you what, I, I love my job. Like, there were so many people that I'd run into that are like, oh, this fucking job. I'm like, really? Because I kind of like going to work. Like, I like, and I mean, you know, I was the boss, right? I had five guys working under me and I would show up half hour early every day, you know, get the job set up, plan out what I was going to do, work with the guys until five o'clock, tell them, all right, you're wrapping up. I'm out of here. And I'd go to sales appointments and all that kind of stuff. But in every Friday, it was, I'd send somebody up to the liquor store to get a case of beer we, we, we'd, or, or we'd stop somewhere and get a beer or something like that. I liked the lifestyle. I really did. And I liked it because the the pitfalls that a lot of guys run into with that lifestyle is at 3.30, they're at the White Horse drinking, and it ruins their life. For me, that wasn't a problem for me. Like, I could have a couple beers, and I'd have a couple beers for a couple weeks, and it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be a big deal. Or rain days. Rain, rain days were a big one. I mean, and I come from a all construction family, and... You know, technology's kind of curved a lot of that rain day going to the bar at 10 o'clock in the morning issue. Right. You look I was at your, never at the bar at 10 o'clock in the morning. I always go, I would hitch my boat, yeah. get to the lake. So. And, and you you know, back then you sat there for two, three hours listening to the AM station, hoping that it's going to blow over. Yep. Now sure. we got the phone apps. They give you a rough idea. A pretty good the idea. radar. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's nice. So, I mean, it, it, there's still things that will pop up, but for the most part, you, you've you got a real good idea. Sure. Um, and, and it's a, even with my business, I, I got lucky. Um, my wife, Amy's really been, she's got a business degree, so it was a, actually helped me out with knowing, reminding me of different things. Like, um, And I come, like I said, I come from a construction family. I've got uncles, I've got my dad, a brother. I've got so many people who've started businesses and I've known so many different small business owners. So one of my things was just like you said, diversification. If I specialize in masonry repairs. So luckily my diversification, a lot of it is going in, making sure I'm subcontracting for people who do insurance jobs, making sure I'm locking up those contracts so when the economy does get tight, yeah, insurance shops still have to be done. Sure. Um, same thing um, I got into doing veneer work, which is that one-inch thick stone or mm-hmm. one-inch thick brick to 
that's more decorative for the insides. Yeah, cultured stone. Yes. Stuff like that. Sure. That, you know, because when people do have money, it's inside work. So that actually gives me a little work for during the uh, winters. Plus, like you said, diversification. I mean, one, one project gets slow. You never know what the next one brings up. Right. So there's a, I always see, and especially I think maybe it's because I'm so involved with sports now. It's it's a real. I, I know there's parents that put their kids in sports because college. Like that's the only reason the kids in sports. That to me is a terrible idea. You could probably spend the money that I shit. You could spend the money I spent on wrestling and just buy college. You don't. You know. Like it, I've taken my sons all over the country to wrestle, and it's thousands and thousands of dollars every year since they were kindergarten. If I if I put that money in an account and had any sort of return on it at all. I'd have a college education paid for, no problem. But, so, okay, so they put their kids in that for that reason. And like I said, I think it's a terrible idea. You can get more money for academics and everything else than you can get for the sports stuff on the general, usually. Unless you're this, like, you know, like, incredibly, incredibly good kid. But, uh, so, you know, like, if you have college as the thing and, and that's what you want to do, that's, I have no problem with that. But so many people there, they have tunnel vision. It can only be college. And if they didn't get them to college, they failed. And I think some of the people that have made, I would say the upper part of money that I know, that I've, like people I know, it's people that either don't use their college education, they have one, they don't use it, or they never got a college degree and then they went into construction, they're plumbers, they're electricians, they're that kind of trades guys and they do quite well um the swings are tough though because if you're not disciplined with your money in construction it can be very very difficult as the employer because you can't collect unemployment yep. for my taxes i still have to write myself a paycheck every week but i still am not an employee so when you know you lay everybody off and they go collect unemployment you can't yes so you better have money socked away so that you can uh, afford that. Where usually your college job, it's year round. You're behind a desk somewhere, like or you know whatever you're doing. But it's not, it's not so up and down. I mean, construction would be crazy. There were literally times where I was handed twenty thousand dollar checks every you know two weeks or every week. Sometimes I was rolling in dough, and that's in June, June July, and August. And then in January, you know, you, you're lucky if you made $1,000 all month. Mm-hmm. So, and then for me, like, I was real disciplined about it. I didn't spend money like a fool. So I could take my guys, I would take my guys to the Rockies and Lake Tahoe and go snowboarding for the week. Well, and that's that's one of those things that when I started my own business, one of the things that me and Amy even sat down and talked about was the reality of how are we going to make it work? It wasn't just about bringing in paychecks. How are we going to make it work with me being a business owner, knowing that during the winter, I'm not going to be working much. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, and that's the thing is, we've actually had a bunch of friends who've actually learned and kind of copied a lot of the stuff we do. Um, we end up stockpiling. We've got a bunch of shelves downstairs, and as far as a lot of our um we have a big freezer downstairs plus a freezer chest. And mm-hmm. when during like um, we end up realizing during like the 4th of July week, during uh, Labor Day weekend, all that stuff, 
so many meats, so many different products go on sale. Well, my work is like really busy at that point. So we would go and actually start stockpiling for the winter. And um, we lock up the freezer and like two weeks after Thanksgiving, it doesn't get open until once it's full, it doesn't get open like two weeks after Thanksgiving. And it's like, okay, now we can actually open the freezer and sure. use anything that's in there. Right, 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 right. Um, oh, man, I got two the two boys. We go through food. Like, I have a monster freezer. Right? I shop at Costco, and we fill that thing with, man, they, they'll empty that thing out in a, a, one month. They can empty that whole freezer, no problem. But, uh, so, yeah, we, we constantly have the freezer. But, so, okay, as a, as a masonry guy, is you that was a family business. Someone in your family was a mason, right? That that's the... I've got a lot of bricklayers in my uh, family. Okay. Now all of them are basically new construction bricklayers. Right. So basically, all they do is they show up at a house or they work in a project and they're building everything from the ground up. The repetition wasn't for me, um, but I got divorced and um, I got custody of my two kids. And at the time, my daughter was four and my son was one. Well, I can't go and work afternoons at Dominic's Warehouse. So it's like, okay, I got to start over. Yeah. And, and it ended up being, I took a couple different jobs. And then it's like, well, I can't, I can't be flipping burgers and raise my kids and sure. pay off all the debt from my divorce. Right. So it was one of them that um, my brother, actually, the company he was working for, he was the superintendent in uh they, uh, three of their apprentices just became journeymen. With being a bricklayer downtown with the union for every six bricklayers, you're required to have one apprentice okay. on, on staff so or on site. So it ended up being one of those that I already knew how to lay brick, so walking in was easy. Yeah. Um, and then I went and put my time in and everything else, became a journeyman. Then the company that I was working for, the old man retired, Gave it to the two boys, and they just basically destroyed the company. When, that happens, yeah. Yeah, it happens a lot, it seems right. like. And um, so it was one of them was starting on my own. I, I wanted to do something different, and I got lucky. I fell into a company that fixes foundations, um, and I knew their head labor and head uh, um, foreman. And they're like, well, you know, our tuck pointer is messing up a lot of the jobs. He's got some problems, personal problems. You got one of your cards on you. I'm like, yeah, here. And uh, they gave me a call. I fixed the first job that he messed up. I fixed the second job that he messed up. And it was great because the owner of the company is like, okay, we're going to give you cash for these two, but this is what you need to do. You you need to go and uh, we like the work you're doing, but we you need to get work comp insurance. You need to have regular insurance to be a subcontractor for yeah, us. Yeah, right. And he walked me through everything, and I, he was great with talking to. And um, repairing stuff to make it look like it was never damaged really intrigued me. And it was something that the more I was doing it, it was like you'd start getting jobs that were bigger and bigger challenges. Yeah. And, and it was nice because you weren't doing the same thing every day. Even if you kind of are, no, you're... that was our business too. Like I, I mean, we set tile, we we did all kind. Of, we would do windows, we would, you know, flooring and and roofing and I mean, you know, the cedar ceiling that's in here and everything else like that. That stuff that we so every every week was generally a different thing to do, and that's nice. Yeah. It really is. Uh, and but 
I have met guys in the trades in Chicago where they're in a monster company, and there was one guy that that for thirty years all he did was rubber base. Yeah. So he worked in a commercial setting and he put rubber base down for thirty years. Holy shit! Just shoot me now. And like, that's that's a lot of the bricklayers I know that are older and they're almost like hunched over and everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been running brick on walls for so long. And you're working on scaffolding that might not be at the perfect height because you're just making do and you're doing everything else and you're not working safely. But you, you're working safely where you're not getting injured as far as hurt on the job. But the wear and tear in your body is what they're not looking at. They're not looking at being hunched over for sure. two hours now, straight. Now, see, the things you're talking about there, those are my motivations for my sons to be college educated, for them to go you know, pass the four-year degree and get get a, a graduate degree so that they can do, you know, I try to explain to my sons, like, you you can find yourself in anything. If you're an engineer, you, you can just fix things. You can be somewhere, like, I mean, one of my buddies is an engineer that goes to plants and he, like, just looks at the overall operation of the plant and he'll reconfigure, like, how they're putting something together and he'll engineer it a better way as far as like that. Like, so he engineers that. So like, you know, you can find all kinds of weird jobs in that situation, but like, I want my sons to, so that, you know, that's my goal. So like, you know, in this podcast, I'll play the devil's advocate and say that, no, I think that there's a lot more opportunities and the numbers bear out that if you have a graduate degree, you're going to make on the average. Now, Everybody's different. So if you're yes. a lazy bum and you suck and you you know you're stupid, then you're not going to make a lot of money. That's I mean, generally the the you know well, unless how, you, how unless, hungry are you? Right, unless you become president of the United States and you can be stupid and all that other stuff. <laughs> but uh, so anyways, uh, so like you know, but in the on the general, if you have a graduate degree you make an average of this amount of dollars. If you have a bachelor's degree, you make an average of this amount of dollars. If you just have a high school degree, it's the average of this. Now, what kind of freaks me out about that is I see a lot of guys. I know some guys that, that geez, they didn't even get high school. They got GEDs uh, you know, after high school because they, they bombed out of high school and went and got their GED. They joined the plumbers union. Uh, five years after becoming a plumber, became their own contractor and these guys worked their asses off and everything else but they made hundreds of thousands of dollars three four hundred thousand dollars a year for years in that but still when you average it out high school diploma gets you under what some of the bachelor's degree gets now there's also people in the people that get the bachelor's degree that become uh, they get a bachelor's in business but then they become a plumber too and then they do the exact same job. So like, well, like, but you got the same ones that they'll get the bachelor degree, and they're a manager at a fast food restaurant. You know, sure. you got the other extreme yeah. where, um, I think there's more, and I've seen in the last couple of years in my lifetime, where you've got people between, say, twenty five and forty years old. Working at all these different fast food places, now, I mean, you can't and, uh, you can't knock I'm, the fast food. I'm, manager, I'm not though. trying to. I'm not trying no, because to. Because I'm not saying that like if I hurt anyone's feelings, I don't give a shit yeah. about that. What I'm saying is, I'm surprised when I see someone that's a fast food manager that works full time and they make sixty thousand dollars a year, and I'm like, you do what? 
yeah, I'm the manager. I make, I'm like, oh my God, I, I'm sorry. And I maybe you know, I may have an ass or whatever, but I did not realize that someone could work at Burger King and make fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, but you can't. Well, and it depends on the company, the business, and everything else. And what is your titled position? You know, yeah, I'm are, saying the are you the manager, not the assistant the, manager, not the fry guy? And that's the thing: the assistant managers right. a lot of times only make like twenty six thousand, twenty eight thousand. Right. But if you are the one that is fully running the store, and now what a lot of these companies, from what I've uh, researched, a lot of them are getting rid of store managers, but they'll have like four assistant managers run it together yeah, because you can pay better. four people twenty six, twenty eight thousand dollars right. a year rather right. than at sixty. So it's just like everything else. They're starting to phase out different. Whatever doesn't work. Yes. Sort of thing. Sure, sure, sure. But a good manager, I mean. You, I was surprised to see what people could do when they went to work. When we first got the riverboats. Because you'd make chit-chat with the guy dealing blackjack. And like the pit boss was making some coin, man. Yes. Yeah, but you know, they had to work themselves up from. There, were, there was one uh, dealer we were talking to who was. There's some kind of hierarchy in the dealer world too. Like if you're a dealer and the, I don't know what they called it, but he started out as the guy with the broom and the dustpan sweeping up at the casino when he first started when he was like 17. Then they put him on a table and then he became the roulette guy. Wow. However it worked, but he worked his way up and he was like, you know, going to get promoted to, you know, I don't know. There's, you know, there's pit boss and then there's floor boss, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But those people make, make some coin. The the people who own fast food outfits, a lot of those people have nothing to do with the daily operation of those places. So it's actually advantageous to pay a guy fifty thousand dollars a year to be like, yeah. you're you're the responsible one. Be responsible because this is my business. They're making two hundred thousand dollars a year out of it, so it's, it's perfectly fine for them. Um, so like I, I do see people that do well, and it is on hard work and ambition. The weird thing for me is that I see some people that don't have any kind of work ethic. Their work ethic's terrible. They're not real bright. And their plan is I'm going to go work uh, road construction or my, my dad's going to get me in with these guys with, you know, Gallagher or Pepper or whatever like that. And I, I, I don't know how it works out for them or whatever. I, I, I generally gravitate away from people who I find to be dumb and lazy. Uh, so... I still don't imagine that works out because I only had one employee that I had to pull aside after about three weeks. And I'm like, all right, man, what did you do before this job? And he's like, I sold tractors at Sears. And I'm like, can you get that job back? I don't want to be a dick, but you can't work here anymore because you're not. Every single employee that I had made me money. And this guy was not making me money. Like every time I turned around, nothing was done. He was terrible at his job. Uh, and he, his job was like, you know, carrying bags of something. It was like it was the uh, a chimpanzee could do his job and he was having a hard time. So uh, I let him go. But generally, everybody else was pretty darn good. And I was a boss that was, I mean, you know, I broke my neck at the job, on the job, with a tool belt on, doing that. I wasn't a finger pointer sort of guy. So, you know, you couldn't get away with being lazy because I pretty much got eyes on you all the time. Uh, and I wasn't a screamer, but, you know, I would definitely give him a scholar once. I'm like, hey, what the hell are you doing? Uh, but so, like, for the most part, even guys that weren't real bright, that had no college education, I don't think I had anyone that ever worked for me that had a college degree, they, they still did fine in the trades. And a lot of those people move on to other things. Now, today, I'm in real estate, and 
there's that I don't think that job's going to be there anymore. Like I would not I saw somebody online that they're like, you know, 22-year-old son was, you know, going into the business cuz his dad was in the business and I'm like, this is a terrible terrible idea. You know, like Amazon and Uber, they're all getting into the real estate business. I guess Uber's doing it in a way where they're like you just like Grub Uber eats, you call up Uber and they send somebody out to pick you up, take you to look at houses. That's that guy's job. So they pay him $25 a showing to go show houses. That's what he does. He doesn't do anything else. And then when you're ready to write a contract, they send somebody or do it via you know DocuSign. He's the contract writer. He does that and he gets $300 a contract that he writes. So the commission base is completely different, right? So now they've spread this thing out where they, you know, maybe they sent somebody, another person in for a closing or a lawyer or whatever, and that's, you know, $500. So now they've got the whole deal done for five, three, and 26. For $850, the whole deal got done when that guy, that deal is usually a $4,000 deal on the average. So Uber's got it figured out how to do that. So they're going to, and honestly, if you can make that kind of money, cut that much overhead out of it, that's that's the way the future is going to be. So the job that I do someday will generally be gone. Um, so getting into it, for me, I'm fine with it. I think it'll still be around for the next 10, 15 years. And then well, if I have a client base like I do, I'll probably get another five I can get out of it. But if you're 22 years old, I, I, I don't suggest it. You know what I mean? Well, and that was part of the thing that we looked into too. When we started breaking down, you know, if I want to start my own bricklaying company, what what do I want to do? And, and not not for today, what's going to feed my family till I retire? And, you know, like uh, with both my boys and, and even my daughter, well, all three of my boys, but, you know, Matthew's only 10. But like with Josh and Nick being 16 and my daughter Kara being 20, they've all come out on jobs with me and like I've explained to them from day one, this is plan B, you know, Kara's in college. If you get into your trade, you, your profession, whatever, and it's not working out, you're always welcome to come back to a family business and we'll figure out a role for you. Sure. Um, She's done a lot of the veneer uh, stone or brick with me. So if she's the one who, takes over that part of the job and I got to open up, track down more work and hunt, you know, right. As long as you're hungry. And, and that's the biggest thing is I always make sure they understand I'm plan B. You're not required to come to work for me. You're not required that you're not going to go to college and just jump in with me. I prefer you go to college, but plan B is here. You have a direction. And if I'm not playing B and I'm playing J K L whatever, so be it. At least you know whatever you try, you have something to fall back on if you need it. Um, and, and they're educated in it. And, they, you know, when you start getting actual money and everything else and you start seeing, you know, you, you're you making real money to get ahead of pass. Oh, yeah. It makes a big difference. Sure. My shit. I bought my boys tool belts and work boots when they were graduating eighth grade. So they were 14 years old. And they were thrilled just with that. Like they're looking in the mirror at themselves with the, the belt on and the boots, and they thought they were cool as shit, just because they had you know work boot uh, boots and a belt on. 
Peyton actually said to me, he goes, you know, we did like the first summer where we really worked construction all summer. He's like, I really like this. I like doing that. And I'm like, oh, just, you know, I go, you can always come back to this. In fact, you can get an engineering degree and then do this on a level that is, you know, you're building 15-story buildings, hotels. You're doing something that's way bigger than, than what I'm doing here. Um, so if you really like this lifestyle, that's fine. You can find a way here. But I really wanted them to get a college degree, get that done. And a lot of it is, listen, man, I just want you to be in a safer environment. I broke my neck on a construction job. Yeah. So like, I'm motivated to make sure that you're a thinker, not a stinker sort of a situation. Now, well, same aspect you have with the engineering and already having a base knowledge of construction. There's a lot of jobs that I show up on that I inform them you have to get an engineer out here because I can't fix this wall until an engineer figures out the exact way that he wants it fixed mm -hmm. to make it stable so it's not going to fall over and kill people. Now, how has any part of masonry become um, automated? Um, they've tried. Um, there are like different like things. Like a machine that was they, they've had a, a machine wall? that would basically spray out mortar and yeah, it yeah. would actually um, lay the brick and the problem is um, they have it, it wasn't cost effective at least the machines they built so far because you still have to get them loaded just with the mortar the mortar sets so quickly that it's time-based so you right. can't it can't just redistribute it itself yeah because automation is always the angle is always people don't even see it the angle is always to re reduce one job, like yes. get rid of a guy. So, like, I mean, I worked for a masonry guy, like uh, on loan from my one boss. He, his buddy, was a masonry guy, and he would send me off with those guys to work, and it was a pain in the ass because if you mix the mortar, like I, that's what I did pretty much. I mixed mortar, carried shit. I was a laborer for the for the more for the masonry guys. Boy, if I mix that thing not exactly the way he wanted it, like, you know, he's like, listen, it needs to hold a little bit of form. It needs to look like pudding, whatever like that, whatever description he gave me, I mix it too watery. This fucker would just kick over the wheelbarrow and be like, do it again. I, I grew like, up like that. Yeah, like, Son <laughs> of a bitch. So then I got to hump this thing back over there and do it again. So, but you know, you figure it out quick sort of thing. But I would think that if you could figure out a way to get a mason or a, a, you know, a delivery system for the you know the the uh geez why why, why am i losing well, the word the only the only way that things have become a little bit automated um at, at kind of a small scale um you are seeing more um panels being pre-done to where you actually are using preset panels then we um, use a crane or something to put that together well it depends i mean they've got um some that are already done like on wood like the brickwork's already done on wood and you're just screwing the wood in and oh, you go on to the next okay. panel just so like a, a system sort yes. of thing. yeah right we um, see that in everything the siding stuff comes that way and, and that you're starting to see more of that um but realistically technologies evolved with the masonry jobs in a different direction it, it hasn't really evolved enough to where it can take over and eliminate the jobs but what it's done is um you've got well, cultured it stone yeah, it so you got eliminate all the jobs like we bought roofing guns when i first started roofing it was a bag yeah. single nails and you were pounding nails to put the roofing down my boss was cheap the guns existed he didn't want to buy them 
But I remember when I went out and I first bought my first set of guns, I seriously didn't need two of my five guys anymore. Because three guys could go ahead and like, you know, really, really, really like lay more roofing than, than five guys could with hammer and nails. So usually it just takes away, like like I said, the mortar mixer would be gone yeah. because you got a machine now that does it. Well, I we have electric grout guns now okay. that you, you can actually get. Instead of regular tuck pointing, you can actually use the electric grout gun. You fill the little reservoir, but you're still holding it almost like an electric uh, caulk gun. Right. Um, you still have to keep refilling it. You still have to clean it out. You still have to do everything in between. Um, as far as speed, you know, most uh, union jobs are bid uh, 100 square feet of tuck pointing per person a day. Right. With that one, I could pro- I, I've done 400 square feet in a day by myself in one labor. Okay. So, you know, with him just basically making the mortar. So, realistically, yes, I, I could have eliminated three bricklayers, you know, for a day's worth of work by using my electric grout gun compared to sure, 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 doing sure. it by hand. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, but, I mean, that's a concern with trades jobs is that yes. someday, I, I mean, you know, at one time when they poured a road, guys were out there with trowels and shovels pouring a road. Yes. Now it's a big ass fucking machine that just pours the road. And the guys just walk along next to the machine. Yeah. It's not as many guys as it used to be and stuff like that. So like there are. So like, I, you know, like I want parents that have young people to, you know, guide them in a direction. Um, my son's. My one son, Peyton, I said, listen, you know, you know, he wants to go to college and he wants to wrestle in college. And, you know, his feeling and a lot of coaches around feel like he's going to be a better college wrestler than he is a high school wrestler. And he, but he also is like, you know, he goes, I don't really know what I really want to do. Like, I don't want to be an engineer because I like, like, the building things. I like fixing things. I like seeing how things work. But he's like, could I make... A lot of money if I didn't. And I go, son, if you wanted to come out of high school right now, he'll they're gonna graduate high school this June. I go, I'm telling you, we already have work signed up because that's what they do in the summertime. I go, I'm pretty positive that I could have you making fifty, sixty thousand dollars in the first year that you were just doing yeah. construction. And it would be a thing that I would just help you along to be your own contracting outfit. I mean, I'll work for you, whatever. But I go, by the time that you, you you'll be you know, 18 years old when you graduate high school, I guarantee you by the time you're 23, 25, you'll be making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, no problem. He goes, really? And I'm like, absolutely. There's, you know, we already have a reputation with people for doing a good job. The things that we built, we built stuff for you. Yeah. It comes out straight. It's square and everything looks the right fucking way. And you're like, we're not in your yard screwing around or, you know, any of that stuff. So... And then we're, we're, you know, usually pretty tough to beat on price and everything else. So I said, yes, absolutely. And I go, but I don't want you to do that. That's yeah. not, you're, you can't look at it short-sighted. I go, that job, you can still do that exact same job. You can go to, go to four years of college, take a business degree. I mean, you were saying like Amy helps you out immensely yeah. with the marketing and all that other stuff because of the things that she learned with her business degree. Learn all that stuff, man. You, you, you're gonna have the rest of your life to make money. Just like figure out well, more than you know. Have a better base. And and that's one of the things that like I've even explained to uh, Nick and Josh and Kara is when you go to college, if you're going for a business degree, if you're going for something like that, here's the difference. You've already know you already know how to do the job. 
Right. They, and that's with painting uh, um, Garrett. They already know how to do the job. They know they can figure out material costs. They can figure out all that stuff. Yep. But what they will take out of a business class compared to what someone who's never worked before would take, they actually are learning details that are going to better them. Where someone who's never worked before in their life, they go to college, they take a business degree. And that's why I, I know so many people who they went that route, never worked, went into college, got a business degree. But they the little details, they don't have any on-the-job training to really know what they needed to learn still. They didn't learn any baseline education from working mm -hmm. to go, oh, wow, that, that's how I need to do my books. I need to get better at this. I need to get better at that. You're thrown to the wolves. You got the education, but you don't know anything about how you have to be prepared for like with us in construction, you might need an art tradesman out there. Right. And right. you might need them out there before you get out there. You might need them out there after you get out there. What did you have to budget in? Did you have to figure it out? Do you have to find it? Do you need to tell the homeowner they need to find it? Oh, there's so much. I mean, I mean, there's so many different things. But when you've actually worked on the job, right? I, I see these guys who come in straight out of college. I used to see it in the high rises, and they're um, running a, a help and run a project. But the problem is they've never dealt with any trade specifically. Some things I wish there was more of a like internship that somebody because there's so many businesses. So the 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 job I do now for the most part, you know, I'm mean, a real estate broker. We just had today. I was stuck all day in continuing education, and it's fun to go there, honestly. And like nowadays with real estate, you are really disconnected from everybody you work with. So like everybody that's at my office, there's whatever there's fifty agents or something out of that office. Thirty of them show up today, and we're all taking our, our CE stuff. So we're all talking. It's nice to see the people because we we work in a virtual world now. Everything is digital. Everything goes back and forth on the computer. I actually had two real estate deals I did last year for friends where I was the listing agent where I did not see the people I was working for one time because everything is just sent, click, 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 sign, sign, stuff like that. The The job was done. The attorney did the same thing, sent them all the documents to sign before the closing. Nobody went to closing except for the attorneys. They got it all done. It all got done. The money got dispersed. The title got moved and everything else. So... It's nice to go in there, but the things that we were going over were not pertinent to the job. Yeah. They were more pertinent. We, we had a whole hour on sexual harassment. I'm not going to sexually harass just about anybody that, that I'm working with. That's I don't see them, don't to, see them. to do it to them, but this is a thing. So I'm doing that. And then uh, another one was ethics. We took the ethics test. I'm telling you what, if somebody in that room failed the ethics test, you're a psychopath. <laughs> You've got worse problems than you can't do your job. Because the ethics questions are like, you know, is it okay to cheat your client out of money if it's just once in a while? Well, oh, and, fuck no. And that's where I look. That's the one thing that college bothers me with. Um, so many kids, realistically, most professions... You could probably, within two years, if you are specified in that profession for training, within two years, you could be extremely prepared to succeed in that field. 
And the problem is kids are going to college for four or five years and they took uh, classic Greek and Roman mythology and they took, but, but how's that bettering? You took judo, you took this, you took, you're taking classes that are not pertinent to your degree. Right. And, but it's only because you're required 60 hours or, you know, you're, you're, you're 60 hours for the associates, 120 hours for your, uh, um, bachelor but but how does that actually that's where it, at times colleges become big business and that's the one thing that i'd love to see even in high school how many kids are not prepared the high school is preparing kids more for college in, in my opinion than it is to survive in the world in other words economic classes and well that's for sure and also we went to Lincoln Way, so Lincoln Way had. So I, I'm not doing to get break in the podcast, but I got. We never let the dog in here to have the podcast, and and I did today. So come on, come here, come here, come on, get up here, come on. Now you don't have to go there. Come here, come here, right here, right here. Get up, up, up. Yes, yes, up. Come on, come on. Oh, really? You're gonna be a wimp? Come here, come over here. Get up. Come on, get up here, get up. Oh, really? We're gonna go. All right. <laughs> he doesn't want to be on the podcast. Not today, I guess. Uh, but uh, he's been pretty good. He's been pretty quiet the whole well, time. And he's... I, I started out at Hillcrest. I transferred into Lincoln Way. Right, but I'm talking about the difference between uh, like a uh, Providence and uh, and Lincoln Way. Like I was surprised to find out that if you went to Providence. That there are zero shop classes. You do, like it's a college prep school sort of thing. So they're not geared at all for. I mean, I you know, I was football player in, in high school, and I took stupid classes like shop and like mm-hmm. you know like cabinet making. But I'll tell you what, I learned some stuff from those. When I started construction, I could read a fucking tape. Yeah. Where I probably taught most of the guys. That I that worked for me how to read a tape. I definitely taught my sons how to read a tape. They were learning how to read a tape when they were still in junior high. But so okay, so you know, like there's a difference between if I if if you had if you have a kid who I I, I was a decent student, like okay, um, like I wasn't worried about failing classes, but I took some college courses after I was injured. I was a straight A student. Like, I mean, I had more extra credit than what I even needed. And I think my mentality was different as to what I was going to do. Like, it was more important to me to pass the class. Not more than pass the class. I wanted to have straight A's. Yes. So so that's what I did. Now, I would have never gotten straight A's when I was, you know, a guy, you know, right in, uh, right out of high school sort of a thing. So... I even told my sons, I go, listen, you, the, 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 the sports thing kind of screws things up for a little bit because you're pretty much going to go right from high school into college because you're going to play sports. If my guys weren't doing that, I'd tell them, hey, you could take two years and join the Peace Corps. Go dig wells in Africa. Go do something interesting you know, or do it the other way. Go get your engineering degree, then apply that engineering degree to some volunteer work for a couple of years. You, you always have a house with me. You can always stay with me while you're doing this stuff. Get some experience. Travel the world. Do do those things. But I, like, I still think that there's a focus on college 
for everyone. And that's even people that are going for their liberal arts degree or, you know, just, just going to college to go to college or going to college to for a degree that they don't know. Like my daughter's changed her idea what she's supposed to do, what she wants to do after college, like three times now. She's a sophomore in college. So I don't know, you know, like I don't know what the right guideline is for each person. Well, and I think a lot of people forget, they tend to forget about, everyone looks at you either go into the trades or you go into college. It's like there is no other option and and a lot of people forget about the military there are a lot of benefits just signing up for the bare minimum yeah yeah you know no no i i I think there are even disagree with you anymore and i i i come from a family that is so my family's military story is my let's go worse scenario my great uncle richie died on the beach of normandy he's buried in france my grandfather is 101st airborne he was shot a couple times he was a paratrooper in the european theater in world war ii this guy is the real deal he has him and two other guys captured a captain who was trying to get away with the blue goose hitler's rolls royce my grandfather has the cad but he's passed away now the keys to the blue goose so like the real deal in world war ii my my his wife was a marine during world war ii my father was a Marine, served a full tour of duty in Vietnam, combat vet, all that stuff. I was set to join the Marines, and my father found out and lost it. He was like, are you out of your fucking mind? He goes, the, you're, the, he goes I, I, I was in Vietnam. I, have no, I had absolutely no business in Vietnam, son. There is no one that can tell me any different. I was there for a full year. No one that was there was fighting for the reason that we were fighting for. And he goes, there's no war that's gone on since World War II that's a viable war. We should not have been in Korea. We should not have been in Vietnam. And we, for sure, as a country, you can't tell me that economically the country wouldn't be better off if we weren't, what, we're 18 years now, right, where we've been in a war. I think 19, yeah, okay, something like that. Or 19, almost two decades yep. that we're spending a trillion dollars a year on, we could have we could have given everybody health care, we could have paid for, at least state college could have been free. When I'm saying the service, I mean, there there are different, everyone's different. I know. And, 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 and like and I said, I, I told myself, and, like, and that's what I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not looking at I'd be concerned being, about sending any son off anywhere because who knows where they're going to send them. And, and my thing is, there's always a national guard. There's always, when I'm looking at the service, there's, I'm also, you're looking at the military. Yeah. When I'm saying the service, I'm looking at, it could be in police right now. Unfortunately, I don't, I think that's a terrible career to jump into right now with how they're being treated in, in different areas too. What do you mean? Um, you, you have a lot of like the Chicago, uh, police, they're still not under con. I mean, under contract. Oh, like their pensions. Are yeah, really I mean, they're right, right now. There's a lot of issues. Yeah, because I think I mean, for the most part, people are pretty left and right. They're pretty good about like appreciating what a cop does. Well, when and I that's see a cop, it, And if you're in a really, really bad neighborhood, mm-hmm. guess what? You're not going to be respected that much, well, within reason. Within reason, w- and, depending and, on the situation. Yeah, and. You know, if if you're policing a bunch of bad guys, you would think that you wouldn't, right? Yes. Like, I mean, that's and, and that's really what I'm looking at. But when I'm looking at the 
police. I'm looking more not not the YouTube stuff on from New York or any of that stuff. I'm looking at like um, depending on where you're at, you you want to make sure that if you're going to go into the police force, that uh, into that service, you want to look at where are you going to go into. Um, it, just like anything, educating yourself. Do are they under contract? Do they have a lot of issues? Do they have? I think you're better off in, as a small town police officer, at least to start. Sure. If not, depends. A on, career. I don't know how that works. I know like there's a big difference between a small town fire department. Like a lot of those guys are volunteers. Yes. And I, from what I understand, a lot of those guys volunteer for like the Manhattan Police Fire Department, so that they can move into you know the chicago so they can get a yes. job where they can get paid it, it's like a start a stepping stone and that's, it's right, right. that's what i mean by when i'm saying the service i'm i'm not just looking at the military i'm looking at police paramedics even um and, and your fire department as other viable options sure to that you don't need the college education but you do have to go to the academy. Oh, I thought you were or, saying like join the military so you could get the uh, the GI grant and, and everything. No, else. I, I'm looking Which at. I think is a, would be a viable thing if it was pre, you know, pre 9/11 because now these get like um, I have a lot of friends who have there are career you know lifers in the military, and you know one of them that was in the Air Force. I, I think the last time I talked to him, he had done six tours. It's too many. Too that's, many times, like that's like, my my cousin's husband is uh, a pilot, and I believe in the Navy. And same thing, he's been on a couple different tours and everything else. Right. But in like I said, when I when I'm talking about the service, I mean the the big picture of not not joining uh, the Army or Marines because then I get the GI Bill and I'm going to get home grants and I'm going to get the, no. You have things that like the. Uh, Fire department, the uh, police academy. Yeah, you just got to academies for what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so I had the same conversation that my father, who's a Vietnam veteran, had with me, and it was like, "Listen, son, sons, because I have twins. If there is a war where someone's invading this country, I would fully expect you to drop everything and join the military to yes. defend the country. But do I trust my government enough?" To take this thing that, listen, since my sons were big enough for me to hold in my hands, tiny little guys, I have had dreams and aspirations. And I have I, I didn't have children just because mm, it's the thing to do. I had children because I was my plan was to be a father. My plan was to do the things that I did. My sons were going to be wrestlers when they were three. Like, that was the plan. Like, they were going to head that way. And they started doing that. Like, I even asked around when they were five. I called uh, Jim Schlegel, and I'm like, Jim, here, you know, my name's Bill. I got two boys that are this age. What do you think? And he goes, well, it's up to you. Are they in school yet? I said, no, they're not. They don't start kindergarten until next year. He goes, why don't you just wait till next year? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take that advice and wait till next year. And I put them in there then. And then every chance that I've had in my life to teach them something, that's been my most fun thing to do. My, my sons, I, I would be confident to put them out to a construction company and say, that kid is a carpenter. He can, if you give him a header schedule, he can cut all your headers. If you give him everything that you got to give him, you give him everything, he can work a, a skill saw like nobody's business. He can work a gun. He can work a tape. He can do all these things because 
they're all things that I taught this kid how to do so I know he can do them. And then I've also taught my sons. So I'm, I'm considered a quadriplegic. I'm a dude in a wheelchair. I taught my boys how to ride a two-wheel bike. I taught my sons how to tie their shoes. I taught everything that you would teach a kid. I mean, shit, down to, all right, we got to go to a funeral. This is how you get dressed when you put a dress shirt on and everything else. Believe it or not, son, the shirt goes on first, <laughs> then the pants, because then we're going to tuck that. So, like, you know, I spent all this time teaching my sons this thing, and then in between the lines of tasks that I taught them to do, I taught them to look people in the eye. I taught them to shake their hand. I taught them to say yes and no and, you know, don't act like a punk and, and everything else. And I don't care, you know, some of it's maybe a little bit deception even. You know what? In wrestling, there's good and bad coaches. I don't care who they are. If they're an adult, you stand there tentatively. You listen to what he has to say. And you can walk away later and decide whether to use what he told you to do yep. or not. But you be respectful because you're so like I'm training my two sons to not be assholes. I'm going to release on the world to have a great work ethic. Like it, it has been a full time job that I am passionate about doing with my sons. I've taught them how to fish. I've taught them how to hunt. So all these things. And then someone's going to tell me that I have to hand it over to the government that I see on TV. No. Well, that's, no. that's the no, same I'll aspect. Pass. Every year I've ever been a head coach, one of the things that I've always had done was when practice is over, every year, every room that I ever coach for wrestling, any football team I've ever ran, any sport that I've ever had coached, um, the, the deal was always at the end of practice, I make sure I announce, you shake your coaches' hands out of respect. Sure. And every day when we leave practice. And what's funny is, I had kids that I spent um, 11 years coaching at Tinley Park Bulldogs. I'd have kids that would go to a practice, and I'd get a soccer coach from HF calling me up going, we did a, a freshman camp, and this one kid came up and shook my hands. I'm assuming he's one of yours, and it's one of the coaches I would sure, know. Sure. And he goes, uh, what can you tell me about the kid? And what people don't realize is respect like that. The coach already knows your name. If you're that bubble kid, you probably are going to be the one making a team. And just because you're respectful and, and they don't realize respect's almost a lost art. Right. And, and just like you said, though, problem is you send them into the, let the government take care of them, whether no matter what, who, what party's in charge, it doesn't even matter anymore. No one knows how to budget oh, yeah, military. I don't care about party. That's what I said. It, no, it's it, it's right the military either. aspect. Nope. They, they're all want to be big business and puff out their chest and they're sending you over there just because yeah there, there's no uh, actual least, game plan anymore their for bodies anyone. or minds permanently damaged because of oil or because yeah. of anything else there are there are literally tens of thousands of really bad people all over the planet yep. we only seem to kill ones where there's a lot of oil like if you go to africa there's all kinds of people chopping little kids arms off there but we're killing people in Iran and Saudi. in the Middle East compared yeah, yeah, to right, right, right. South Africa, so which is real you know, bad too. Don't, right. I mean, we have, you know, and then, then we don't kill some people that doesn't make any sense. 15 of 19 hijackers were Saudis. Yeah. Those are our friends though. Like how, how are those our friends? Like, so none of it makes any sense to me. And it's not out of a, you know, where I don't, my, my, my understanding of patriotism is not what some people's understanding of patriotism is. 
waving a flag, saying, you know, hoorah, I'm going to go join up the military and shoot some motherfuckers. That's all bullshit. That's all nationalism nonsense. I'm patriotic by doing everything I do with my son so when I let them go out in the world, they can go out and do the same thing and make the world a better place. I volunteered to coach at a youth club that I don't have a kid in because for me, that makes a better, that makes the world a better place. If yes. I give back and this kid learns something, you know what chances are? He's going to become a high school wrestler, then maybe a college wrestler. Then maybe he comes back and he coaches 30 kids yep. to do. So it's all going to, that's patriotism. The, all this, um, I, I, I actually, for me, social media never upsets me until we talk about war stuff. We, we, we tend to have this way of dehumanizing people from another country. Now, I'm a big like a student of um, the wars that we've had. Like I've got a bunch of books on different generals. I got a bunch of books on, you know, from Abe Lincoln to, to George Washington to you know the Vietnam uh, conflict. And all their stuff that I've read, I, I watch all the Ken Burns documentaries on the different wars and stuff like that. And there, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with this stuff that just doesn't make any sense in the sense of it, it's the last war that made any sense to me was World War Two, And that was a situation where we were like, we used to be. Like well, we got, for, we got forced into that one. Well, we, we wanted like, to be forced into that one. Yeah. We were egging them on to go ahead and do something to us. We moved our entire fleet of battleships to Hawaii to make it a target for this situation because we wanted to get involved. But we, we needed provoke to be provoked. Yeah. This stuff that's going on now, I don't know. It just seems out of line to me that we're always sticking a stick in a hornet's nest hoping for something to happen. But what I was saying was the social media thing actually gets me a little bit riled up when I see all these knuckleheads who are cheering on killing people in World War III and stuff like that, and these memes that are being posted. And I'm like, listen, I got 18-year-old sons. First, I don't want them gone. Secondly, it's not just this big selfish thing I'm talking about my own kids. I don't want your kids to go either. Mm. Uh, I, look at all these kids that we coach. Do I want to see them 15 years from now and they're missing an arm and a leg and every other goddamn thing? I went to Washington and my partner for the week, we were doing a lobbying thing for uh, wheelchair funding, was a guy that had one arm blown off, part of one hand blown off, and both legs blown off with an, on a IED, a uh, roadside bomb that he ran over. And... He'll never be the same. No matter what equipment they give him, he'll never be the same. And my question is, and his question was too, at that point, what for? Yeah. What? And he had no outs. He was a kid from like Kentucky. He had no education. It was pretty much what he was going to end up doing was joining the army. He did that. He Now he's blown up. And I, I just want to know what for. Those people weren't coming here. That's not how that was going to happen. So when I see these guys rah-rah and everything else, I think that they watch too many movies and I think that they don't see the human aspect of it. If you read about Vietnam, we were we were killing a hundred of them for every one of us that was getting killed, and we were losing 150 boys a day at one point. That means that 
hundreds, tens of thousands of those guys were getting whacked. And we're, you're not talking about just soldiers. You're talking about, when you're in their country, women and children. And these are still human beings. Whether they're slanty-eyed or however you want to, like, you know, the name that they gave them, like these people, like, saying that they're, you know, uh, towel heads or all this, like, those are still human beings. We, in wrestling, I think we run into more of them than other sports. We run into more Muslims. It's in those countries in Iraq and Iran, that's a national pastime. Wrestling's a much bigger sport in those countries than it is in our country. So the Muslims that I run into, they're wonderful. Yeah. They're some of the most American Adidas wearing, Nike wearing, football cheering, taking their kids to every sport and everything else. People, they're still human beings. They want the best thing for their kids. They want their families to be safe. I don't even know what the, the ratio is now. I'm sure it's better to 100 than 100 to 1 because we don't hardly lose that many boys in these conflicts now. But when we blanket bomb an area, I'm positive we're killing hundreds of thousands of those guys. Yeah. So I have a moral issue with war in the first place. There better be a good goddamn reason why we're going to lose somebody's son that I know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, and we've got all these like, how many promising athletes are out there? I'll tell you, okay, so I'm a guy that maybe it's because I'm a paralyzed guy. Being handicapped sucks. It fucking blows. This is some bullshit stuff. So I don't want to see that. I, it bothers me. And I think we've lost faith in my family's been a military family forever and ever. It stopped at my father, and it stopped because they sent him to Vietnam, and he was a Marine there, and he saw things that he didn't want to see. And he didn't want his son to see those things. So then that's this exact same report that he gave me, I gave to my sons. Now we're not a military family anymore. So, you know, if I could trust my government a little bit more, I think I would, you know, be involved in the military. And I think that's a that's another legitimate career that is without a college degree. You yes. could be a lifer. And it's a it's it's probably a great career as far as your benefits go. And your pension and all that you're stuff. You're 38 I mean, years old and you're retired. Yes. Yeah, you put in your 25 years. 20, I don't know. I yeah, or I 20 years. Well, yeah. I think there, it depends on what you're in and right. where you're at. But 20, 25 years, and you, you retire with full retirement. Right. And I think some guys even stick around for 30 or something like that. So they're... Depending on... Right, you, it's different packages depending on everything. But still... Right, it's a terrific package. I know a guy who was in Britain. He there was no war going on at the time. He was they they went off base and he was diving into a pool. He dove into a pool, broke his neck, and he was a pretty much the same situation as me from 18 years old on. He got a house paid for by the military. He got his full military benefits for the rest of his life. Then he could get his job. Now the beauty thing about his situation was those benefits were not tied to what he makes. So somebody gets you know paralyzed like me, and you're just working in the private sector. If you don't have great insurance, you're you're yeah, either on you're welfare, and then you can't make any money, yeah. or you better be able to get out there and make some money. Now I was dead set that I wasn't going to do the welfare thing, so I went headlong into to working, and it worked out. But welfare in this country is a trap. 
Yes. If you make more than $23,000, they take away the benefits that were helping you keep everything afloat in the first place. If you're just a guy who is getting $12,000 in benefits because you got two kids and you're trying to you know keep everything going and you make $22,000 and someone offers you a promotion to make $6,000 or more, you can't take it. Well, and that's, we, we saw it a lot um, when Amy was actually doing recruiting for a warehouse and they were hiring part-time seasonal help, but they're doing 40 hours a week. And there were so many people, she'd come home just shaking her head going, well, they said, well, no, because I'll lose my welfare if I take this job and then I have to go, it's going to be a big process to get it back again, even though for six weeks I'll make a lot more than I do on welfare. Yeah, but you won't I, make enough to cover the but welfare. But that's the problem is right. it's like, so... I'm better off to make a little bit less on welfare and not work than I am to go and work. Well, not no, not work. That's not it. You you still you have to work to get welfare. No, but that many not hours. Work more. Full yeah. time. Well, full time and right. Being a sixteen dollars an hour right. and being a handicapped kind of guy, we see it all the time. There are literally people that in November are like, "Listen, I can't come to work anymore because I'm a handicapped guy," and they work at a hospital or something like that, answering phones. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, if I work anymore, I've hit the cap. They're going to remove my Medicare from me. And the guy's like in a wheelchair. And wheelchairs will cost you anywhere from 6000 to $40,000. So if the guy's got a $40,000 wheelchair to pay for, he's like, you're going to pay me another $3,000 this year. I cannot come to work anymore or I will lose my benefits to pay for a $40,000 wheelchair. Isn't social isn't Social Security almost the same concept? Social Security is where sort you of, can only make so much money, yes, and then you get taxed on your Social Security. Yes. So, so I mean, it's it's still right. the same thing. Of it's a trap. You've already paid into it. Right. You should be able to get the full payment right out. Well, okay. So that's the one candidate that Andrew Yang. His thing is to give everybody a thousand dollars a month as a uh, freedom dividend, is what he's calling it. Mm-hmm. But it replaces welfare. So if you were somebody on welfare, you get this instead of that. And if you really listen to his plan, it, it, I know, at the, so I hate to say it on a podcast because we don't have time, but the first time I heard that this guy wanted to give people $1,000, I'm like, this is fucking crazy. He's nuts. Yeah. This is absolutely fucking nuts. When he lays out exactly what we're spending and the productivity that it stops from people, and like people don't have an under. I don't want anyone to walk away from a conversation with me thinking that I think that the reason that somebody doesn't want to work is because they're lazy. It's because they can't cover themselves for what's going on. There are people that are put into all kinds. My personal situation, I made so much money before I got injured that I had a cushion where I could be like, my house is paid for, my cars are paid for. I could work myself into a situation where I could make money. If I was flying by the seat of my pants, I had three kids, no way to feed them, I would be bound to being on welfare because I'd be like, fuck, like, how am I going to pay for all this can't, shit? Can't get a new car, can't no. get a so when they reliable. Right, the, the minute that you make over the $23,000, they yank your food stamps from you. They, If you're someone who's in Section 8 housing, they, they now you're paying your rent. All of a sudden, you're taking away $15,000 a year worth of stuff, and you're going to give me a $5,000 raise. It, 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 only a fool would do it that way because I can't make it work this way. And then the other problem is it's actually where the line is at is the other problem. If the line was at $30,000, well, 
well, maybe you could make it fly if you could make 35. But when the line's at 23, you cannot cover your complete life on 20. Nobody can afford to live in this area on $23,000 a year. So that supplement of $12,000 that comes in makes it possible to live. But if you only had 5000 more, well, no, you're in trouble now. Like you can't make your payments on your rent and you can't, you know. Well, that's so, the thing where you've had a couple different politicians or different people, not saying I trust any politician, but mm-hmm. you've had a couple of them come out with, we want to do more of a progressive scale where instead what? of just ripping out your welfare, you're, you'll start breaking it down to get less and sure, everything else. Sure, sure. And the problem is how the opposing politician runs off of it is they're trying to take away your benefits. They're racist. They're this, they're that. Yeah. And the yeah. reality is, no, they're trying to give you an opportunity to work your way out rather than saying, okay, we're going to drop your benefits, right. but we're not getting rid of them. Sure. And the problem is everyone hears they're taking away benefits and doesn't see we're letting you work out of and yeah, better yourself. I, I really hate the racist thing that people like. That's a that's a left thing that drives me nuts. Like they they can find racism in almost any single thing, and the it almost is a it's a fling that flips back on them and says you must be racist because there are quite a few more white people that are on welfare than there are black people on welfare in the first place. So if you're saying it's racist that they're taking their welfare away, you're assuming that. It's black people that you're taking the welfare away from. Just like when they first came out with drug testing, if you want to be on uh, welfare. You want to be on welfare, you got to take a drug test um, once a year, like Florida. And I know, I think there's like eight states that have that now. Um, I think that if you look into it, there were a bunch of states that tried it and that failed. Like they did not, the program itself, uh, I want to say that Colorado and Arkansas were two states that did it, that it failed. So they they said, okay, we're going to start drug testing for welfare. And the amount that the program cost was more than what way it was exceeded, like, like, like five times exceeded what it, what they actually caught in abuse yeah. in the situation. And I, even when those reports came out that said it cost it cost twenty thousand dollars in abuse that we found, but it would cost a hundred thousand dollars to run the program. I saw people that were still like, "But it's the principle." I'm like, "Oh, it's yeah, it, it, it's, it's racist." It, well, and then when it's business, though, there's no principle. There's that. The, but it's but instantly line. it came out as racist. That was the first offense see, I to didn't it. See it as, as that, like that. that was actually they had um, parades. They had people uh, protesting in the streets all over the place because like the just original for thing was listening. Eric comes from the right, and I come from the left. So you're definitely getting a different, you know, thing. Yeah, and I mean, I've done a terrific job side. not egging you into a, a political conversation, yeah. but. And, and I you think for the most it, part, we've kept it pretty yeah, neutral. You would hear it differently than I would, though, because you're getting comments directed towards you, I guess, that are coming from the left. I get more comments directed towards me that are coming from the right. Well, I, I looked at it more because when I was union and everything else, I was diehard Democrat, you know, for years. It, right. It's only been probably the last four years where I kind of started becoming a little bit more Republican. But yeah, I'm not either. So I, I, honestly, a lot of it was more um, back then. It was like I, I'm just very big on 
not the first step always being racist when it's not there. When, when you're starting to call people bigots, racist, everything else, it's fine if it's warranted. But when it isn't the bearing of it, now you're just trying to cause problems to get your way rather than sure. the reality of... I didn't see that, that program as racist or not racist. Or I didn't even put that to it. All I said when I saw that stuff was, listen, if you find, if you can save money doing it, fine. Mm-hmm. But the minute that you tell me that it cost you 80% more to, to try and find a problem, then I don't need yeah, that shit. No. Stop doing that because you're really, you're just wasting money. Well, and, and who it's going to hurt is us in the middle class right. that are actually, right. they're going to raise our taxes to fund a failing program, which honestly is how government works. <laughs> it well, seems I mean, like. I, I, I'm fine with you testing it out. But if the the returns are less than there is for me, there's no principle on it. I don't care about that stuff at all. All I care about is can did you save money? If you didn't save yeah. money, then forget it. And the other thing that it showed was that we don't have a drug problem in the welfare class. Like that's not. And I mean, if you think about it, so I I was a I would say I, I would say I was a, I was never a Republican. And I've never been a Democrat either, but I would say I know for sure that in my family I was the conservative, capitalist pig. I owned a construction company, non-union. Um, I was poo-pooed about unions. I'm like, oh fuck them, like lazy, break-taking. Mm. I, I was non-union. We were working 60, 70 hours a week. I would pay my guys uh, overtime and stuff like that. I even was a guy who. You know, before healthcare became a big issue, I would buy for my permanent employees. They got Blue Cross Blue Shield. If you got a sore throat, go to the doc. You got your yeah. little card, go. And you know they were happy about that. And then we always had workman's comp. You had to have workman's comp to pull mm-hmm. permits for jobs. So I mean, I went over and above what a non-union shop would do, but I had no use for the union per se because I felt like they were just robbing you of the dues and everything else. Now. I had the unique situation where I broke my neck and for four months I got to look at a ceiling for a while and really think about shit. And I became far more progressive and more, I I say liberal, because I was always liberal when it came to, I do not care what gay people do. You want to get married, get married. I don't care what sex you feel like you are. That's fine. If you, I firmly believe that there are people that were born the wrong sex. That there's, like you can look at them and be like, that woman absolutely thinks she's a man and always has, or that man thinks he's a woman, sort of a thing. Like look at him; he's got heels on and shit. But the difference is, that's your belief and that's fine. But don't force it on me. Of make make no, me. Right address it and that's where i think the biggest disconnect comes in society is not the fact of accepting them you can accept them you know it's not being against gay people but if you don't support them well i'm not against them so supporting them you you know but that's where you hear a lot of different things um i i've heard a lot of different things with uh like say chick-fil-a they don't They've hired, they have gay employees that work for them, but because they don't support the LGBTQRST, whatever the I'll code buy, is. Popeye sandwich is better it, anyway. It, it actually is, but it, it's, <laughs> but because they don't support them and donate to them and everything else, that, that community kind of went after them. It's like, 
But but uh, they, I didn't go after them. In fact, I used to get a Chick Fil A makes really nice chicken nuggets, and they make a good chicken sandwich. I used to get a chicken sandwich when I was around a chicken fillet every once in a while. And when it came out that this guy spends a lot of money, like millions of dollars a year, on things like gay conversion therapy clinics and stuff like this, and then groups that are kind of they've been labeled as hate groups against the gay community, I did stop buying. And the only reason I stopped buying was I don't want my dollars to go towards things like that. I believe it's hard enough to be a gay person, let alone to have a group that's out there trying to pray away the gay for me. Like, no. hey, knock that shit off. And like, if you own a business, I think that's just a bad idea. For me, it's a real bad idea to do the political stuff that I do on social media because I'm positive I've lost work over having a side that I'm on when it comes to political stuff. I'm oh, positive. I've I've, I've actually I, I've had a job or two that you know they'd find out that I actually supported Trump or anything like that, and oh no, we're, we found another contractor, and you well, can see it in the Midwest though. It's probably a benefit to, to support Trump here. I, you, you know what? It's gone back and forth. Yeah, but yeah. but as many jobs as I might have lost, I, I've. It's only well, one or two. The, let's take the gay, the 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 guy that wouldn't bake the gay cake. Yeah. Right. I think business wise, it's a terrible idea to do it that way. Now he's been, he's had the opposite effect of what you're talking about. He's been, uh, GoFundMe's have been started yes. to pay for this guy's thing. If you were a regular businessman and you were like, all right. I'm not going to take gay dollars, but I'm only going to take straight dollars. And I'm going to make people aware that I won't take gay dollars. There's all kinds of people that are straight that are related to gay people that wouldn't put up with that kind of shit. They're not going to yeah. buy a cake from you. Now, gay people, are, money's green from anybody who's got the money. So I think it's a bad business choice, but I do think it's his choice to not do however he does. If, if we didn't have... Chick-fil-A was also propped up by a lot of people that were like, we're all going to Chick-fil-A yeah, because they hate the gays. Or we're going to protest them and we're going to shut them down on Sundays or we're right. going to do... Right. Yeah, it, you got both extremes with it. Right. But, but I would I, rather not give my money to them and then I would drive farther to go to Costco because they pay their employees a living wage than I'd go to Sam's. And it's partly because I'd like to see people pay them a living wage, but it's also because... I guarantee you, if you go to Sam's and deal with five employees and you go to Costco and deal with five employees, you're going to have a better time dealing with these five smiling employees than you're going to deal with. Maybe one or two of the five are going to be in a good mood on that day at Sam's, but a lot of them are going to be like down in the mouth. They don't want to fucking help you. They make eight bucks an hour. Yeah. These guys make 15. Well, so, and, and just like supporting any business, one of the things that I look at and it's funny having my own business now, how much my eyes have opened. Um, things you don't pay attention to, and just like there are pros and cons. Um, one of the things I've done since I've started my business is I donate to a lot of local community, um, different things. Uh, Manhattan Fireworks for for uh, Labor Day, uh, the New Lenox football program. I, I've yeah, donated. Do you get a little something like on the program or no. I, I might get a, I to the, the I, I might get a little shout out a shout out or something like that it's at good. football games. Yeah, you should, but but it's an aspect of it, it's not kind of like you said with coaching. I'm not doing it just for the aspect of getting my advertisement. My main thing is this is help funding these kids to give them the shot, and 
And that's one of the things like even getting a haircut now, I won't go to the big chains. I go to the oh, local barbers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, it, and those are the things that people tend to forget. They look at the convenience of it, but how many baseball programs or football programs is the sponsor Walmart? Is the sponsor oh, JC no, Penney's? Right, right. Is the sponsor Besides that they're, they're they've ruined so many small towns and everything else. You used to go to like Morris was a great little town with a terrific little main street. Yep. It's all dead. It's all gone. The big R and the the Walmart yep. killed it all. So, so I mean, but those are the things. That, Amazon has killed it all too. I go two yeah. miles at the mall and it's it's a ghost town in there. It's I mean it's dead. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know what businesses are safe from that sort of thing and it seems like in this country and that this is some of the you know like uh i had a podcast last the monday night and the guy's like i'm like do you consider yourself a conservative or and he goes oh no definitely conservative and i'm like can you explain to me a conservative ideology that you've thought out completely and that works for the middle class. Because I, the reason I'm not a conservative is because they don't. If I give a tax cut to a wealthy company, that does not help the middle class because all that guy does is pocket the money. Like he's not gonna, he's not gonna run around handing out raises because he got money. That's not how this works because he knows, first off, he may have money right now. If he hands out raises, then he's got to pay him that all the time. If a new guy comes into office and he loses that tax cut. Well, and, and in the same aspect, he gets the big tax cut. There's a good chance that he might open up another shop. He might open up. That's never. It, it, that's, it, it's that's, always a possibility. No, it's Depending not, on that's the not a business. Possibility. How's that a possibility? You're a masonry guy. If someone gives you a tax cut, did that create more masonry work for you? If someone gave me a tax cut, no. But I'm looking so at I'm, lo- I'm looking at a business as like a retail business. Okay, you make screen doors. You own the screen door plant, right? Mm-hmm. And the government says, "Hey, we've got this thing. We're gonna everyone that makes screen doors is gonna pay no taxes." Can you open another plant? Yeah, no. honestly. Why you're not making any more screen doors? How the fuck you open another plant? But but you can you can actually become a little bit more competitive if you wanted to drop your price just a hair. But your your quantity no, that no, you're no, sending no, you out, you don't have any. No, you have no more demand for until the people that buy screen doors from you have more money. You have more money. Well, but, I'm I'm not talking about in the same area. You might end up looking for a place. Uh, but the demand for another, screen doors did not go up, is what I'm saying to you. So until the demand for screen doors goes up. How do you open another plant? If you don't have more, any more screen doors to make. And granted, you could go to another area, but they already had screen doors there. So, like, how are you going like, to... I, I see what you're saying, but you in the same aspect... If you give the middle class a tax cut and not the owner of the business a tax cut, he's already got... You, and, and I agree with you on that aspect. Right. I'm not I, arguing I that aspect. I made I'm saying five that. times as much money as all my employees did, yeah. right? So, do I need a tax cut? No. If... Everybody who was an entry-level guy had a tax cut. I would get more siding jobs. I would get more roofing jobs. As a real estate broker, if college debt was forgiven, which is another one that makes, I know, conservative guys heads, but it, it that would open up all kinds of people who could run out and buy houses. And if you buy a house, what do you need? You need masonry work fixed. You need a roof on that house. You're going to need a driveway done. You're going to need painting done. This is what moves the economy there is not so this is one of those conservative things that like I try and wrap my brain around but I never come up with an answer that that is suitable as far as 
if if you look at where the tax uh you know brackets or tax rates went for the top tax earners and then the middle class over the since the late 60s early 70s it's almost flattened out so that the burden has been removed off of the wealthy that's not going to work out because these people down here can't carry the tax burden because these are the people that make the people wealthy. Well, and now I'm not a typical conservative or Republican or anything like that. Right. But I mean, one, what, of, one, of my, one of my beliefs, well, one of, one of my beliefs has always been what I've always thought would be the solution for a lot of that aspect is a straight tax percent. But it's but no write offs. It'll never, never it'll never happen. No, because it, it would 90, never happen. There's 93 Fortune 500 companies right now that make billions of dollars that pay zero tax. Well, that's what I said. It would never happen. But right. the reality is, if everyone paid say six percent tax, no write offs, whether you make now, a trillion you, dollars, I can tell you, why, or you make twenty thousand dollars. I can tell you why I would be against that too. Okay. Um, and it comes from well, the. I, I got write offs. So no, 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 I, it no, no, would no. be. It's not even that. It's not even that. My situation is this I owned a company that had five guys that worked for my company. In my company, those five guys hopefully learned how to read, write, and do arithmetic from the public schools, right? Mm -hmm. Those five guys drive trucks to work, and I have two work trucks and a trailer that we're using on the roads. So. I need, as a business owner, to pay back money into the public school system because I, my crew, I make money from them. They learn how to read, write, and do arithmetic at the school, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the only right that I pay into it. Um, my trucks are on the road hauling shit, doing whatever. I got a bobcat behind it, whatever going on. I'm I'm deteriorating the road, so I got to pay taxes to pay back into. So there's roads, right? Because mm -hmm. for me... It's obviously working out quite nicely that there's roads because I can get to my job and make the money that I'm making. Um, you need to extrapolate that out to Jeff Bezos, who has 100,000 employees or more than that. He's got 100,000 semi-trucks who are way destroying the road way more than I am. He pays zero dollars into... Oh, I, and stuff. like I said, I didn't argue no, no, that. No, 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 I'm not saying that. What I'm saying to you is under that theory... Shouldn't Jeff Bezos pay a larger percentage of taxes than the guy who's got five employees? Well, He's doing but, far more damage. But, but what you're not seeing, and, and I get it, but he is paying. He's still paying the same percent. But Jeff Bezos is worth, say, six billion dollars. Yeah, but so his Jeff six percent. Oh, I understand that his six percent is going to be. A heck of a lot more I money going towards the roads. Not only counting him, how much of the trucking companies are subcontracted? How much of the that now. aren't his? But but I mean, you you have all, some. You see all the Amazon Prime trucks running around. Yeah, now? you're you're. That's I know new. they got rid of a lot of the well, semis. I think but, they're going to sink the. But to get uh, to the distribution center, you have all the regular companies. A lot of your regular companies are actually distributing stuff to the distribution center so I, i'm not talking about going out the, as much i'm talking about going in right if so, you did the math on what jeff bezos is taking out of the system in the way of the education that he's using the potholes that he's putting in just everything that he's using to make 11 billion dollars i would say on the average he's earning more per employee than i was earning on my employees 
and he's making $11 billion in one year. That's more money than I could have made in like 10,000 years. He's still getting out of the system a far bigger percentage than I was getting out of the system. And all I'm saying is if you're going to pay your fair share for what you're taking out of the system and not be a parasite, you got to pay a bigger percentage into the system. But but you can always go, like I said, you're, you're paying more into the system if it's a flat fee. If if, if, if it's a flat fee, but you're saying more. you're saying that you should pay even more than yeah. that, and, yeah. and that's fine to say. You know what? If you do get over, say you make over a million dollars, now you go up to seven percent. Now, but but and have that's it progressive though. But it, it would be progressive. Right. But you're you're paying one more percent. It's not that you're paying trillions. But that one percent, you know right? that one percent could be more. But I'm saying no write-offs. No, no but, I understand what you're saying, but. You also got to take into consideration that there is a cap on Social Security contributions. So a guy makes $128,000, he stops paying into that. Where when you're making your money, you're paying 100% of the rate. You're paying 7% into Social Security. Jeff Bezos, he paid Social Security for like one day in January, and then he never paid into Social Security again. His percentage that he's paying into Social Security is so fucking... Now, why is that? We're all in this thing together. You're making the most, you're making a... But but that's where everything needs to be rewritten and readjusted. And just like the toll roads. Right. What were they? What were the I'm purpose of the toll roads? It was to pay for right. the roads. The, the, the same thing with the lottery on, was supposed to go to the school system. The system that we're on allows people like Jeff Bezos to do what he's doing. And I mean, I'm picking right now on one guy. The well, look at all the politicians, Gates, the Waltons, all these people are in the same exact boat where they're worth for the people who own Walmart to be worth. There's four of them and they're worth 50 billion dollars a piece. That's a 200 billion dollar enterprise that these people have and they can't pay their employees enough for them not to qualify for welfare that I have to pay for. Yep. That, oh, I agree with you. It's so wrong. And like I said, there there's got to be. The problem is the ball's been dropped for so long that just like um, saying minimum wage, See, I'd like you to know, get minimum wage wants to go up to they want it to go up to fifteen bucks from whatever it is eight fifty or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the the only problem is, and I, me personally, I don't support that. I do over Did you time. See those proposals? I, I've seen some of them. I haven't but, seen but, a lot. They're always. A the, proposal like and proposing, you have to be full time. A lot of no, them no, are. No, no, no. When they were when the, when they were proposing because there was a big run push for that in 2016 presidential campaign, right? Hmm. But it wasn't until the the fifteen dollars wouldn't have taken effect. It took place over time. It would have been 2021 before people were making fifty. It was like a dollar a year raise that was happening in that situation. It was not. There was no proposal that I saw anywhere that said okay. Today on Jan- on December thirtieth, you're making eight dollars an hour, but on January first, you're going to make fifteen. Now, mo- most of them I saw were a three year progressive, yeah, just, just like a I contract. Five, yeah. And, and I, I did see a couple that were five. A lot of them I saw were three. And then the other issue with it, the one in Illinois was a dollar ten a year. They're going to raise that what it was dollar ten, a dollar ten, a dollar ten. You know, and, and the the biggest problem with jumping it too quickly. It is it's never good because all you're doing is raising the poverty rate almost because minimum yeah. wage is supposed to be the bottom. But 
now a lot of them I read have the stipulation you this wage this minimum wage increase is only um, guaranteed through you have to work X amount of hours to so make what, that wage. I, like I read see, a couple of those that you I have like to, to work thirty two minimum thirty two hours. Sure, I like to see it be a company that has fifty employees or more. Yeah. If you had fifty employees, there's no reason that you should not pay everybody a wage where you where I'm not paying for your welfare sort of yep. situation. Now the so like I said, I I and I, I I and we've talked about this at length before. I don't I have less of a political ideology than I do a mind for a solution and a problem. And I see a problem when there is a family worth two hundred billion dollars and they're most of their employees I'm paying for their health care because they're on welfare. Yes. Like that's a problem to me because you're so wealthy and then the burden is be put on the middle class. So when you got a company like Verizon or GE or uh, Amazon, and they're paying zero taxes into a system, but some of their employees, until just a year and a half ago, a lot of Amazon employees were the same thing. They were making yep. $9 an hour. So you've got a guy who's making $10 billion. He's living the most fantastic life that ever could, and I'm supplementing his employee health care program. That's well, and, and, and those are things that, realistically should be adjusted for big but but the problem is but with a you, you'd have to look how at how do you do that but you got to sign grover norquist's pledge to not raise any taxes but you you have to raise taxes yes this but, has to happen but like i said but you can do the problem is the half the constituents for the politicians are big business some of the bigger donors. Huge, right. that, that's a whole different topic. We can talk about different Publicly funded elections <laughs> but, need to happen. But, so but it's it's where that big businesses, once your business or you as an owner or corporation is worth X amount of dollars, you can almost do a progressive um, minimum wage scale for employees. You, you know, if your business is worth like a Walmart where they're making... $50 billion each a year. So you got a $200 billion business. Okay, your minimum wage. Well, that's wage, our net worth for all four kids. Yes, but, yeah. but, but I'm saying though, but your minimum wage for your business for X amount of employees should come out to minimum of this percent. Oh, you, yeah, you know, something. I, I mean, it would be a solution, but the problem is it's a solution in our eyes, but that doesn't mean it's a solution that government's going to pass to lose that donor for their political gain. Sure. You, you know. Now, now, my sons are 18, and they make more, far more than the minimum wage right now. As a contractor, there was never a time in my contracting life, and I mean, you have to extrapolate this out to 20 years ago. I was, 20 years ago, I was starting guys out 20, that's, that's a long fucking time ago, at $12 an hour. Yep. And sometimes it was, we're going to go $12 an hour cash, and then when I give you the raise to make you 13 at the end of the year, we're gonna, you're going to start paying taxes because, you know, we're going to try you out for a little yeah. bit first here. Uh, so, like, I was always in a position where they were going to get paid a living wage as far as they could. If you worked, and that was the other thing, too. You know, you made $12 an hour, but we work 60 hours a week. You were bringing home $720 in a week. You could pay the rent. Yeah. You could pay car payment. In fact, most of my employees, like if they were working out, I'd be like, hey, Bobby. I go, what's going on, man? What's going on with that piece of shit truck you got? They're like, what do you mean? I go, don't you think you should get a new truck? 
And he's like, yeah, I was thinking maybe I should. I go, yeah, you should get a new truck. I would convince them to go buy themselves a truck with a payment because now I own you. Because yeah. now you got to come to work. If you just, everything's paid for in your life and you're like, you know, 19 years old, you get a little money in your pocket. You'd be like, oh, fuck going to work. I'm going to go do what I want to do. So like, you know, that was the, a, the only downfall to that is especially with your own kids when they are making good money working with you and everything else, especially during the summers or the beginning of fall. The downfall that we found, especially having the two 16-year-olds working with us, was when they were making good money. Now it's like, what the hell you buy them for Christmas? Right. Because they were making such good money, almost anything that they wanted, they saved up for during the, oh, you know, the hey, season. And you're like, you know what son I of a though, bitch, you I guys tur- are killing I me. I turned the tables on my guys with that. I looked at them this year, and I said, hey, you two guys in a summer made $6,000 a piece. I go, you know what I'd like for Christmas? Like an auto start on my car. It's 250 bucks up at Best Buy. You both work a grown man's job. You can afford to buy me more than a T-shirt. <laughs> this is what I want for Christmas. And I mean, granted, I spend more than that on them. They both got shotguns and yeah. you know, throwers and all that other stuff. But, you know, it's time to nut up, boys. You yeah. guys make money, so, you know, do it that way. Um, and then, you know, they got things that they wouldn't ever have thought to buy anyway. But... Uh, I, you know, for me, I, I like that my guys make a, a a grown man's wage and everything else, but I also have to keep it not too tempting. Yes. Like the one boy was like, "So I'm going to quit." And I go, "Well, you're not. Every summer, even when you're in college, we'll still do this kind of work. You'll have money in your pocket, but then when you get and when you get out of college and you have your degree and you're looking for that job with this degree, we can just keep doing this for maybe 20 weeks and you have more money in your pocket and go do that." But so okay, I don't want to keep you too much. You gotta you gotta blaze out of here and yeah. get to practice. But I want people to understand that, like, if you look at my social media, me and Eric will get into back and forths that are pretty good where we don't agree on very much. But we never I, get belligerent with each but, other. We well, always people we always read talk it, it as out. Belligerent yes. online. But I don't have any problem with the guy. We just had a conversation where no one got shitty with each other, <laughs> and everything else. I mean. So, you know, this is how it can be. The, the people that I see on social media that are like, uh, you know, just blanket statements about Democrats or blanket statements about Republicans or blanket statements about conservatives or, or liberals or however it is, like, it disturbs me to see people wearing, I'd rather be with Russia than the Democrats. Mm-hmm. That's not right. That, that, that is our political adversary or geographic or, or geopolitical, however you want to put it, adversary, and your fellow American is not. That's your fucking neighbor. So figure out how to have a conversation with somebody. And the social media thing, the one, that's one of the reasons for the podcast is because, and I mean, there's times where like uh, my buddy Tony, I'll go out to lunch. We'll have deep discussions that where we don't really agree with, on a topic, but we never leave it like, I don't hate that guy. Well, and part of the problem is too, Someone to hear hear someone make a comment. Problem is, what's never really done to, enough is well. What do you mean by that? Just asking them, well, let them get the more in depth to it. Media but and that's the problem with social media. No one wants to actually go. What direction are you going into? What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Well, did you look at this angle of it? And, and no one wants to it's open all up. Hard a, to yeah. like do that thing. I mean, I get caught up where I'm spending too much time on social media, and I'm trying to you know run here and run there and everything else. And I mean, I'm lucky. I'm a guy who, like I said, sleeps like six hours a night. So like, I'm cool at two in the morning to still be like typing some yeah. nonsense. Um, 
But I would like to get more people on that have, I would still like to get someone with a conservative ideology to explain to me like why I should vote that way. Because I only see things through the eye of, if I take a step way back, will it help the middle class be stronger? Like uh, the lake, uh, the fish tank, this is an ecosystem. If all I do in the lake is keep producing the largest fish and put them in the lake, the lake's going to die. If, but if I go in the lake and I make sure that there is an abundant, strong, breeding minnow population in the lake, the lake's going to do great because I'm going to have plenty of minnows. The big fish are going to get really big. Everything's going to be healthy. It's going to have plenty to eat. So when I see a plan that's that's progressive and it makes sure that the that the billionaire that makes $11 billion pays $5 billion towards the things that help the middle class, the middle class are the people who buy the stuff. Like we did the screen door thing. If the middle class had more money, if wages were raised, I'm going to sell more screen doors because there's guys out there that well, don't buy that screen aspect. doors because they can't afford the screen door because they can't make the money. So, But if, on the other hand, the government makes it tax-free for me, I'm not going to sell more screen doors. I can't create more. I, and I hate that. Well, and I, and, and that's, that's where jobs. I looked at more at. I was looking at when you were talking about the screen doors as business is booming enough that he's getting a tax break and he can put back into the company. Right, not not the aspect I, of you are looking at it as in this is what the market is. We're just going to give you extra money in your pocket. But and, and, if you have demand for twice as many screen doors, then you have a necessity to open a plant. You yes. can actually hire more people. You're going to fill more orders. This thing's all going to work out better. If I just have more money in my hand temporarily, and the big problem is when that happens, and that's what's going on now, is corporations were cut this big tax break with the Trump tax cut thing. They were given all this money. They bought their own stocks back. Now, stocks work like if there's more of a demand for a stock, the stock value goes up. The stock market right now is artificially inflated with all these stock buybacks that they did. It makes it look really good, but that's not real. As soon as that corporation doesn't have that kickback to buy the stocks back again, the stock doesn't keep going up anymore. No, no different than Bush Jr. giving all the big banks and bailing out the big banks and giving them that. Yeah, that and then the, all the CEOs, right. CEOs went and said, wow, I'm giving myself a raise. Well, that and, and, but that and even those CEOs bought stock in their in own In their company. own banks and everything else. Yeah. And, and that's what I said. Instead of it. Because it was cheap then. The, the theory was if we give it to them, then they'll give out more loans and everything else. Right, right, and on right. paper, it sounds great, but yeah. the problem is society doesn't right. work that way. Right. The, the trickle-down effect is more or less what you're looking at. If, you t- if the owner I gets something... I don't believe there is a trickle-down effect. No, I no but I, I, I mean the trickle-down effect, in theory, should work fine. But the problem is... Society doesn't allow it to, because well, you the give the big. Allow it to. That's what I mean. If he it's, saw it trickling down. He gets a plumber and he, yeah. figures out how to undo all them fucking trickles. Well, then I, I need I need to keep more for me, and that's a problem. Right. Is it, the trickle down effect is great on paper, but it's not the yeah. reality of it. Society won't allow it because big business wants to make more money and more money and more money. And you know what? I've got cattle in my shop. What do I? I'll just hire more cattle. And then when, if they're broken, I'll get rid of them and I'll hire new guys. Yeah, right. You know, right, so right, right. That, that's the problem is the theory of trickle-down is great, 
But the reality is it just doesn't work. Well, but, yeah, and, for and, me, I'm already past the theory and it doesn't work. What I know does work is if everybody at the bottom has more, then they spend more, yes. and then it goes to the top. I believe if you took the 30 wealthiest corporations or you know people on the planet, and this is not something I think should happen, but if there was a social experiment where they removed all the wealth from them, and they went to the bottom 25% of people, the, the, the people who have nothing, and they just handed that money out to all of them, in 10 years, all that money go right back to those exact same people. Because those people that have nothing would just run out to Walmart and buy they, a bunch they of wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. I mean, you hear that with the lottery winners. Where a lottery winner, broke. yeah, he within uh, three years, they've already pissed away every dime that they made. Well, they made bad investments. Uh, yes. And like, and but somebody got that money. Yes. It, it went back into the economy. But the real reality is... If you're not educated into how to survive, and that comes from your parents, that comes from your school system, that comes, it should be coming from our school system a little better. Right. So the, my analogy is this one: if there was a lottery where a billion dollars was going to give be given to one person, that'd be the conservative plan. We're trying to funnel as much money into one person as possible. Where the the other plan would be to take that billion dollars, split it into a hundred thousand dollars, and give it to a hundred thousand people, and that'd be the same amount of money. But if you had a hundred thousand or ten thousand people that had a hundred thousand dollars, that's better for the economy because well, they've all got a hundred thousand dollars. They're going to spend the money. It's going to go somewhere. This guy's going to put it in an offshore account and never touch it. Well, and that's where I mean we both agree on diversification is. The, the key to any business, business. and yeah, for sure. if you're really looking to get the economy, if you look at it as like a corporation and you want to make the economy grow, you got to diversify the funds right. so it can be split into every other company to grow. Because like you said, if you put it into one, he's only going to have one direction. How many other places fall apart? Right, 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 right. But no, I, like I said, with that aspect, as far as business, and I, I agree 100%, and that's where... One of the things when I started my business was I always wanted to, the more successful I got, I wanted to make sure I was giving back. Mm. And to me, with success comes responsibility. And by me putting back into communities, doing stuff like that, it, it helps in my business in retrospect because the more money people have, the more the cheaper it is for their sports because they got more sponsors and everything else. Well, now instead of spending two grand for them to play volleyball. Right. If it only costs them um, 250 bucks, maybe, you know what? We need this quick home repair. I, I can swing that to get that done. And now in just like everything else, it's all going back into the economy, whether it's for brickling, whether it's for plumbing, whether it's, but at least if the money's out there, what's the difference? It, sure. It's it's just diversifying it, right. spreading it around. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, you should always keep your keep a hand in a couple of different baskets as, as far as that goes. We should it's two hours we're on this now, so we should no wrap it up here. Um but come back, you know, we'll 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 talk some more about, you know, whatever with, with that stuff. Um okay, so this is, you know, the part now I'm supposed to like you know, I, I, I check out these videos all the time on like how to grow your YouTube channel and stuff like that. And I'm supposed to during the conversation, keep breaking off and be like, hey, could you click on the subscribe button? I don't ever do it. I get engrossed in the conversation and I just don't care about it that much. But I would really appreciate it if you're you know, a friend of Eric's or something and you check out the podcast, please click on the subscribe button. Uh, I get to see you know, 
with the subscribers, I always kind of keep track of how many subscribers I pick up for every episode. And I tend to pick up some subscribers of every episode, whether I should do more episodes that were like that. Now, uh, I thought the conversation that we had was good. I thought we, yeah. you know, talked about a lot of things and, we, you know, nothing got out of hand. Um, not that it ever would. But uh, so, yeah, please click the subscribe button. If you're listening to the audio version, uh, give us a rating. Um, right now I'm at 100% on, like, uh, Apple or Apple Podcasts and uh, iTunes and then uh, Google Play and Stitcher and all the other stuff. But uh, let me have some feedback on what you're thinking. Like I said, I have this uh, other... Uh, camera setup that i'm still i need to get an engineer in here and just uh you know have it where it's uh he can just flip back from you know one one guy to the other guy sort of a deal about but, five years till the kids finish yeah, yeah, right 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 yeah i hope they're not doing that i hope they got jobs uh but um yeah check us out let me know how we're doing um uh, like to hear stuff from people and everything else and then uh, otherwise thanks man i appreciate you coming out no problem thank you for having me. have some uh fun at the wrestling practice oh yeah, yeah.